April 7th. Our reading in the New Testament today will be from the book of Luke, chapter 12, verses 8 through 34. Here's an overview. It talks about a fearful heart. You know, when you fear people, you start to hide things, and this leads to hypocrisy. You fail to confess Christ openly and depend on the Holy Spirit, and this silences your witness. But when you fear God alone, you need fear, no one else or nothing else, and you can boldly witness for Christ. You are important to God and precious in His sight. So, never fear what people can say or do. And today, as we look into the book of Luke, we'll hear about a divided heart. The word translated worry means to be pulled apart. And that is what worry does to you. If your heart is centered on Christ and trusting wholly in Him, well, you'll have a united heart that fears God alone. If your treasures are heavenly, well, you need not worry. No enemy can take them. And with that, let's begin today's reading in the New Testament. April 7th, Luke chapter 12, verses 8 through 34. And I, Jesus, assure you of this. If anyone acknowledges me publicly here on earth, I, the Son of Man, will openly acknowledge that person in the presence of God's angels. But if anyone denies me here on earth, I will deny that person before God's angels. Yet those who speak against the Son of Man may be forgiven, but anyone who speaks blasphemies against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven. And when you are brought to trial, in the synagogues and before rulers and authorities, don't worry about what to say in your defense, for the Holy Spirit will teach you what needs to be said even as you are standing there. Then someone called from the crowd, Teacher, please tell my brother to divide our father's estate with me. Jesus replied, Friend, who made me a judge over you to decide such things as that? Then he said, Beware, don't be greedy for what you don't have. Real life is not measured by how much we own. And he gave an illustration. A rich man had a fertile farm, that produced fine crops. In fact, his barns were full to overflowing. So he said, I know, I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. Then I'll have room enough to store everything, and I'll sit back and say to myself, My friend, you have enough stored away for years to come. Now take it easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, You fool, you will die this very night. Then who will get it all? Yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but not have a rich relationship with God. Then, turning to his disciples, Jesus said, So I tell you, don't worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food to eat or clothes to wear, for life consists of far more than food and clothing. Look at the ravens. They don't need to plant or harvest or put food in barns because God feeds them and you are far more valuable to him than any birds. Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? Of course not. And if worry can't do little things like that, what's the use of worrying over bigger things? Look at the lilies and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for flowers that are here today and gone tomorrow, 
won't He more surely care for you? You have so little faith. And don't worry about food, what to eat and drink. Don't worry whether God will provide it for you. These things dominate the thoughts of most people, but your Father already knows your needs. He will give you all you need from day to day if you make the kingdom of God your primary concern. So don't be afraid, little flock, for it gives your Father great happiness to give you the kingdom. Sell what you have and give to those in need. This will store up treasure for you in heaven, and the purses of heaven have no holes in them. Your treasure will be safe. No thief can steal it, and no moth can destroy it. Wherever your treasure is, there your heart and thoughts will also be. O Lord, how long shall I cry for help, and you will not hear? Or cry to you violence, and you will not save? Why do you make me see iniquity, and why do you idly look at wrong? He's saying, how long, Lord, do you want me to look out and see all this? There's violence, there's strife, there's contention, there's misery, there's suffering. Where are you, God? Why are you allowing this to happen? So here's God's response to Habakkuk. He says, look among the nations and see. Wonder and be astounded, for I am doing a work in your days that you would not believe if told. This wasn't the response that Habakkuk was desiring. So what does he do? He questions God again. What is it that causes you to question God? Maybe the death of a loved one has caused caused you to wonder why God would allow such an incredible person to die. Maybe you've seen the suffering of a friend or a family member and cannot shake from your mind the questions of why. Why, God, won't you just heal him? Or why, God, can't you just cure her? Or maybe you're going through an intensely personal situation that has you asking questions like, Why, God, is my marriage crumbling all around me? Why, God, is my son in slavery to drinking and drugs despite being raised in a godly home? Why, God, am I struggling with this addiction? I I try my best to give it to you, but all too often it gets the best of me. How long, Lord, will you remain silent? while I'm losing my job, while I'm losing my home, while I can't provide for my family? Why, God, when I'm doing my best for you, am I experiencing the worst from others? These are all honest questions. And the best thing that we can do with them is to bring them to God in prayer. Bring all your doubts and all your worries to him. He he won't get offended. You won't insult him. Go to him for answers. And here's what he says in chapter 2, verse 1. I will take my stand at my watch post and station myself on the tower and look out to see what he will say to me and what I will answer concerning my complaint. Habakkuk knew that the solution to his confusion and his complaints could only come from God, so he waits. Let's remember that like Habakkuk, we must take our stand upon the watchtower, high above the clouds of the earth and beyond the thoughts of men, where we can quietly wait upon the Lord until he responds. That's what Habakkuk did, and then God does graciously respond to him. Behold, his soul is puffed up, it is not upright within him, but the righteous shall live by his faith. 
The righteous person isn't someone who, who tries to, to make good with God by, by keeping to a set of rules, by doing good works, by doing good things. The righteous person is a sinner who has been declared righteous by God because of his or her trust in the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. That is the only way a person can be declared righteous by God. There is no other way. Habakkuk knew that difficult times were coming to the people of Judah, but he also understood that their only resource was to wait on God, wait on him in faith, trusting his word and resting in his will. So I don't know the amount of pain or anguish that you came here with this morning, but I do know that your only resource, your best resource, is to bring it to God, to wait on him and to trust his word. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. God has a greater plan for the earth than the evil it currently suffers. And God has a greater plan for you than the pain or the hurt or the sadness that you might be suffering. There will be a time when God will once and for all destroy all evil and will wipe away every single tear from our eyes. We don't only have the guarantee of, of this final and complete glory then but we have access to this glory right now because of christ here's what second corinthians 4 16 tells us it tells us that god made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of god in the face of christ in other words you became filled with god's glory when you put your trust in jesus so enjoy god's glory in in the current situation you might be in. And rest assured that every difficult season of your life will one day be transformed into a complete and eternal glory. A glory that is so magnificent that it's beyond our own comprehension. You see, Habakkuk's circumstances hadn't changed. His questions didn't all get answered the way he had hoped. But what had changed was him. He changed. His waiting on God transformed his worrying into worshiping. Let me say that again. Habakkuk's waiting on God is what transformed his worrying into his worshiping. Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the field yields no food, the flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God, the Lord, is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on my high places. And what he was essentially saying was, God, though everything around me is crumbling, though the economy is tanking, though I'm experiencing and witnessing utter evil and suffering, Lord, though I feel destroyed, though I have nothing, I will worship you. And though I have nothing, because of my faith in you, I don't lack anything. He says, I will rejoice in you, my God, for you are my salvation and you are my strength. You alone are sufficient for every situation. Whatever trial or hardship you might be in, Whatever suffering or pain you might be experiencing, whatever the circumstances are, rejoice in God and worship Him. Because the truest expression of our trust in God will always be worship.
We're reading today from Psalm 78. And as we said last time we were together, this is a long psalm. It reviews the whole history of Israel. The Exodus, their wilderness journey for 40 years, uh, the conquest of Canaan, and disciplines God sent them there. Israel was a rebellious nation, but God was gracious and gave the people opportunities to start again. Now, this is not an excuse for us to sin and tempt God, but it's an encouragement to repent when we do sin. God's answer to Israel's needs was to give them a spiritual leader, David, the shepherd, and he sought to serve the Lord and love the flock of Israel. People have not changed. Uh Uh-uh, we're still the same. They still rebel against God. There's still a need for faithful instructors in the home and leaders in the nation. So do all you can to help the next generation serve the Lord in an acceptable way. Psalm chapter 78, verses 32 through 55. But in spite of this, the people kept on sinning. They refused to believe in His miracles. So He ended their lives in failure and gave them years of terror. When God killed some of them, the rest finally sought Him. They repented and turned to God. Then they remembered that God was their rock, that their Redeemer was the Most High. But they followed Him only with their words. They lied to Him with their tongues. Their hearts were not loyal to Him. They did not keep His covenant. Yet He was merciful and forgave their sins, and didn't destroy them all. Many a time He held back His anger, and did not unleash His fury. For he remembered that they were merely mortal, gone in a moment, like a breath of wind, never to return. Oh, how often they rebelled against him in the desert, and grieved his heart in the wilderness. Again and again they tested God's patience, and frustrated the Holy One of Israel. They forgot about his power, and how he rescued them from their enemies. They forgot his miraculous signs in Egypt, his wonders, on the plain of Zoan. For he turned their rivers into blood, so no one could drink from the streams. He sent vast swarms of flies to consume them, and hordes of frogs to ruin them. He gave their crops to caterpillars. Their harvest was consumed by locusts. He destroyed their grapevines with hail, and shattered their sycamores with sleet. He abandoned their cattle to the hail, their livestock to bolts of lightning. He loosed on them his fierce anger, all his fury, rage, and hostility. He dispatched against them a band of destroying angels. He turned his anger against them. He did not spare the Egyptians' lives, but handed them over to the plague. He killed the oldest son in each Egyptian family, the flower of youth throughout the land of Egypt. But he led his own people like a flock of sheep, guiding them safely through the wilderness. He kept them safe, so they were not afraid. But the sea closed in upon their enemies. He brought them to the border of his holy land, to this land of hills he had won for them. He drove out the nations before them. He gave them their inheritance by lot. He settled the tribes of Israel into their homes. Proverbs chapter 12 verses 21 through 23 No real harm befalls the godly 
but the wicked have their fill of trouble. The Lord hates those who don't keep their word, but He delights in those who do. Wise people don't make a show of their knowledge, but fools broadcast their folly. <laughs> 